Hey, I'm Henry. And I'm Dan. And we're a couple of fucking sweaty nerds. Quick heads up, there's some audio quality issues in the start of this podcast. It'll get better as time goes on, but thanks for your patience. Alright, Dan, so we're sitting in this car, and we're dumpster diving today, taking the podcast on the go. So why are we here today? Yeah, so we're hitting the streets. Um, This is something that kind of is new to me. Uh, Coming into college, decided to go out with some friends. They said that they were going dumpster diving one night. Um, For me, it started with, hey, like, we can get some free food. But uh, as we're going to learn later, there's kind of some larger implications of dumpster diving and stuff like that. Um, We're here tonight with uh, our friend Haley and Jesse, and we are... um, uh, who are a big part of the organization 350 on campus, which is an environmental activist group, and we're going to hear some words from them as well. Um, we're going to go snag some uh, stuff real quick, and then we'll come back for um, some more stuff. All right, I'm excited. It's my first time, but let's do it. All right, so uh, we're back in the car again after our second little dive. Uh, ladies, what did we find in the in the dumpster there? So much we found a pomegranate which is rare but it's frozen so there is snow all over so our, all the veggies we got are pretty cold lots of strawberries uh blueberries i'm definitely most excited about the pomegranate because i've never had one before because <laughs> that shit is too expensive to buy all right yeah it's very expensive you just gotta scoop out all the little beadlets on the inside and that's what you eat yeah. <laughs> it's a very tedious process it's gonna be it's gonna um, be a learning learning curve we got some asparagus, some gluten-free cinnamon raisin bread. We got green beans. We got tomatoes, blueberries. We got a whole lot of stuff. Oranges. So I can literally feel Henry's legs vibrating from excitement right now because it's actually his first time uh, popping the bag, if you know. Um, <laughs> Dumpster good, diving, popping the cherry. Good yes. analogy there. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited. I came out here hoping I'd get some produce, and we got a whole lot just from this dumpster. So I'm really happy going to be able to make quite a few meals this week off of that. And we got a shit ton of chips, so... Yeah, last stop at the chip dumpster. Um, one thing that's really awesome about the quantity of food that we can get is what Jesse and I often do is we'll host a dump luck. So we'll get a bunch of dumpster food, more than we could handle in our own kitchens, but then we prepare food for other people to eat. Um, and then just give away a bunch of dumpster food. So it's like a eco version of a eco friendly sort of sustainable version of a potluck. Yeah, I think especially because you kind of have that time constraint a little bit when you get that food. Because usually it's on its way out the door, so you want to use it as soon as possible once you get it. So I think spreading it out among people is a really good idea of ways to manage it. For sure. Um, one thing that happened over the summer, um, I was living in a different city, and um, I was kind of introduced to dumpster diving here in Stevens Point, uh, but back over there um, in Madison where I was for the summer wasn't necessarily as common amongst the people I was hanging out with, and the first time I dumpster dove, I actually had some friends over, pretty much fed them dinner, and then was like, yeah, guys, I got this all from the dumpster. Uh, They were a little shocked at first, and maybe like, dude, what the fuck? Like, but um, after I explained that, you know, like I washed the stuff that was there and, you know, they, they were more on board with it afterwards. 
I have some stories like that, like going back home after learning about dumpster diving here in Point and just like my friends saying, what the fuck, you dumpster dive? Like what, you go in the trash and you get food out and like it's okay and everything. And I'm like, yeah, it's totally fine. I even go to, you know, pizza places after they've closed and they have full pizzas in there and you just get them while they're hot. So it's it's an awesome adventure and I've taken a, a few of my friends that would have never done it probably on their own out and that's kind of how it keeps the chain going. All right, well, uh, we'll have some more to come. We're going to hop right. over to our next stop now, the beer dumpster, you know, the most important the one. The infamous beer the dumpster. The infamous beer dumpster, and um, uh, we'll be back. All right, see you then. All right, so uh, I know in the last time we left off, we said that maybe after the beer dumpster, we would hop back on the podcast and kind of talk about that experience, but it's... It's actually a a few days later now. Um, We ended up getting so much that we did not have room to open the laptop in the car and record anymore. Uh, But yeah, here we are. So one of you guys want to kind of talk about how much beer we actually got at that dumpster? So yeah, when we got to the dumpster, there was, it was full to the max and it kind of led to the promise that we had heard of like none of us had been to the beer dumpster for a dive before but i thought it was a legend uh but it turned out that you know it was a true thing and we we got a a super full dumpster and and lots of beer we're we were trying to figure out how many beers uh before we started recording and we're thinking like somewhere like 200 plus beers and there was a thousand beers sitting in that dumpster after we after we left that night yeah, so, Dan, what did those look like? Were those just individual, like, really dirty, gross-looking beers in the bottom of a slimy dumpster? Or what, why do you think they ended up in there? So we weren't necessarily sucking beers out of, like, the bottom of, like, a dirty pallet thing. A lot of times I think it might have been, like, the, the pa- outside packaging that might have been damaged, and then they can't sell individual beers in these 24-packs, so they just end up throwing the whole thing away. So we ended up with... A ton of different kinds of beer and you know some that looked in really good condition you have to pick around the glass a little bit but overall the beer you know we drank we drank a lot of those beers at this point and and none of us got sick or anything or you know it's not like the beers were looking nasty or anything i mean i do have a theory about the red stripe i think that the red stripe there might have been a recall on those or a certain batch of them because there were so many of the the packages or the the cases in the dumpster intact and we ended up grabbing so many of them and someone in my house drank like four of them and got really sick so i think that the red stripes might have been not so good um but on top of that what it looked like was us walking up to a dumpster that's full of cases of beer and just literally picking off a case of beer at a time and putting it on the ground for us to take in trips i think we all took two trips I think, right? Yeah. We all took two trips, and that's four of us taking two trips full of beer. So it was quite a few beers. Yeah, carrying more than a case at a time. Um, I have had no problem with the Red Stripe. I've been hitting them pretty hard. I'm kind of worried now because I definitely drank some of those Red Stripes. I mean, at least you're fine now. I've been hitting them pretty hard. I haven't had any uh, problems (laughs) at all. But, uh, yeah. strong immune systems. There's quite a few in there where there would be a case of uh, glass bottles and just one would be broken in that case. It would be really easy to take out. And, uh, I mean... We're college students and getting a bunch of free beer, like nothing better. That's nothing pretty better. awesome. That's the fucking promised land, I'll tell you that. Heck yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that food from Aldi, I have used um, 
several days now, um, and it's been quite a few meals for me. The packs of blueberries that I got, I got so many that I still have one left in my fridge, and it's it's still good. The blueberries aren't even shriveled up. I didn't even find moldy ones in there, and I looked online. I couldn't even find any blueberry recalls, so I'm not sure why they were thrown away. Um, Total blueberry recall. <laughs> yeah, but they've been they've been really good. I got quite a few bags of green beans that I was making a lot of meals with, and my girlfriend who definitely was pretty grossed out by the the dumpster food at first. I made some really nice veggie stir fries with those green beans, and she's a green bean fiend, and she ended up getting quite turned on to the thought of dumpster diving after that. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, I also use those green beans a bit. I made a curry with green beans and tomatoes that I got from the dumpster, and I had previously had potatoes also from a dumpster. So I made a big old dumpster curry, which was excellent. I think, yeah, we were talking a little bit about this earlier on the podcast, but I think a lot of times bringing new people into the dumpster diving like world or whatever, I think a lot of times, like, first you have to, like, look at the food or, like, try the food and realize that it's not bad anymore because, like, there is that stigma. It's like, it's got to be in there for a reason, right? And, you know, sometimes the reason is not quite what you'd imagine. It's not like this is all nasty food that we're, like, eating. Minus the red stripes, I don't know about those anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still be drinking on my <laughs> Yeah, don't worry. Well, we pounded a lot of them, so I think we're okay. I think another stigma that pops up is, like, is it safe? Um, You know, are these people who are doing it, are they doing it in a a manner that, you know, they aren't getting hurt or they aren't getting, like, possibly uh, liable for, you know, getting any sort of ticket or something like that? And um, basically, when it comes to dumpster diving in Wisconsin, none of us have really ever gotten caught um, that way. And... um, Basically, the law is here that if there's no uh, no trespassing signs, then you can go. If it's unlocked, then you can go. Um, and usually what we find is that these dumpsters are just wide open and kind of asking to be picked through, depending on the county, depending on the city. But especially here in Stevens Point, it's, you know, fair game for kind of anyone. And um, another thing that we focus on a lot is, like, trying to be safe about it. We won't just dive in um, when it looks like maybe there's broken glass so when we were at the dump, we were at the beer dumpster. None of us like actually got in the bin. We were all just kind of picking from the top, moving stuff around, and we usually always have like gloves and stuff like that. Um, make sure you got a headlamp. That's important because there might not be sufficient lighting, especially if you're going at night. And besides that, if you're gonna dive, I would definitely wear like some thicker pants, some thicker boots. We recommend some nice shoes that you feel comfortable in, and some denim, maybe denim pants. Um, and a jacket if it's cold, and then gloves and a headlamp are definitely required, especially when it's winter now, which is good to keep co- uh, to keep the food cold in the dumpster because it'll like s- often snow on top of the open dumpster, and so that kind of like freezes food, which is great. But definitely having gloves is really important. Otherwise, you're only going to be picking through stuff for five minutes or less. Yeah, so you got to be prepared for the weather and stuff like that, and just make sure when you're going out, you check your you know your local. Uh, rules and regulations on it. I, I think that some states are a little more stringent, but for the most part, it's kind of wide open. Again, if you if you follow the kind of like if there's no no trespassing signs and they're unlocked, then you know the stuff is yours to pick through and take. And it is scary the first couple times going because it does seem like something that you're going to get caught doing. Um, 
But I mean, don't feel bad. Obviously, I mean, you can feel like sneaky and and like you're doing it at night, and it it is thrilling. I mean, every single time I get into a dumpster, it's thrilling because you could get caught. I mean, you could get caught by employees throwing more stuff away, and often they'll just be really awkward about it and say, uh, or they'll they'll actually say, get out of here or whatever. You'll get more comfortable with it as you keep doing it. Didn't you have an experience where you were actually in a bin and someone came? And yeah, I did. It was, it was <laughs> like I during did. the day. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was it was at it was in the evening. Um, it was one of the Aldis. It was a Sunday night, and they had closed earlier than eight o'clock because they usually close at eight. Um, and I was in. I was literally inside the dumpster because I had seen some really excellent stuff, but there wasn't a lot of stuff, so I got all the way in the dumpster, and it was like a big, it was a wide one with like two wide lids, and one of the lids was closed, so I opened the other one, jumped in, and then I hear a door open behind me, and it goes, and I was like, okay, okay, so I froze, squatting on the bottom of the dumpster, I froze, and then I just see trash falling on me, and the trash bag hits me, and it just, like, sprays oranges everywhere. Like, oranges, onions, blueberries, strawberries. And I was like, okay, more food. And the person never saw me. And then five minutes, well, not even five minutes later, maybe two minutes later, they come out again with another bag, throw that bag on top of me. And this time I avoided it. I scooched up against the wall of the dumpster. I avoided getting hit by the dumpster bag, or by the garbage bag. And then I had more food. Like, the, the things that they threw on me were, like, really good food items that I wanted. So I was really glad that I was in that dumpster when they threw that. But I just thought it was pretty funny that they didn't even see me. And I got all that food. I was inside the dumpster when they threw it away. I'll bring my climbing helmet next time I go, just in case I get the head-on collision with a couple <laughs> oranges. Yeah, bag dodging is its own kind of sport within dumpster diving. But when we went, um, we specifically went kind of after these businesses were closed so that we're not going to be bumping into employees um, once it's dark, you know, you're you're not going to be as visible to those people around because it might be frowned upon by some people, even if it is legal. Um, but I just want to reiterate, like, if you're thinking about doing this yourself, which is awesome, make sure you look into your local laws. Like, I'd hate to encourage someone to do this, and then they get in a bunch of trouble because... That's why the Nerds Podcast yeah, the, is on the hook for getting someone yeah, out of there. Right, Although, right. if you do get in trouble... Rob Greenfield has this fund, and he's this activist. He's he's traveled all over kind of the country, um, just like trying to um, bring awareness to food waste and other um, forms of sustainability. So um, he has this fund created, basically for anyone who does get in trouble for this sort of thing, to go towards any sort of um, bail that you might need. It's uh, good that they got some money out there for fellow raccoons. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just saying that because uh, I was telling some people at my work, you know, my exploits of jumping in these dumpsters, and uh, one of the older guys that I work with, um, he instantly has just taken to calling me Raccoon Boy um, from now on, and the name's really sticking. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. I, you I, can I guess, see Henry right now. He's wearing a black mask over his face. Yeah, yeah that's right. I, I, it's that bandit Actually, mask. Actually, the, the, the face makeup. Yeah. <laughs> it could be better. Yeah, probably. But uh, a little statistic for you guys. Uh, there's 150,000 tons of food waste per day in the U.S. Um, and that's about that comes out to be about one pound per person per day, which I think is absolutely crazy and some of it you know like maybe unavoidable but i think a huge majority of that like we could be reducing on 
Um, that's just a shit ton of food, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, so what have you implemented in your whatever? We went dumpster diving. That's great. We saved maybe some food from the from the landfill or something like that. But have you done anything else in your in your life to try and reduce your own waste or have any ideas for people? Yeah. So uh, I know this is gonna sound a little silly, but when I go to the grocery store. I always try to go with a full stomach because I found that I just go a little more buck wild if I uh, if I haven't eaten. Um, just kind of taking that stance, but also when I notice food starting to go bad in my fridge, you know, I I plan meals around that. I I try hard not to waste food, and a lot of that is probably because I'm just a poor college student right now. But uh, I also don't like using as many. I like using not so many resources too. Um, being a little more sustainable in day-to-day life. There's also something that I've done in my, or I've done it from time to time. I forget what it's called. It's called like my food fridge or my fridge food or something like that. We can maybe with this podcast post the website to that. But essentially what you can do is I'm not the greatest chef in the world, but I want to use all the stuff that I have. And um, that website, um, you can type in all the things that, like the random shit that you have left in your fridge like I've got a half a bottle of ketchup and like seven eggs and like <laughs> you know some old celery and it'll give you like recipes for stuff that involves all those ingredients that maybe you don't know exactly what to do with so yeah, that's, that's another very good cool. thing to do mm-hmm. yeah it really is a problem of collective inaction I mean we could collectively be spreading all of this uh, quote-unquote bad food or food that's gone bad, um, to homeless shelters, to food pantries. It's really important to remember the reasons why we're doing this, um, which for us, for Jesse and I, it's for it's spreading awareness. It's for, it's for free food. Don't forget, it's for free food. Excellent things that we get from the dumpster that we personally enjoy. And beer. And beer. <laughs> Lots um, of beer. And, but it's really about the fact that this is a system, our food system in America, this system isn't working. So you guys want to talk a little bit about your dump luck things that you do? Oh, yeah. Yes. Dump lucks are so fun. It's not something we made up. It's something that our organization, 350 International, um, our campus chapter, something that previous officers had um, told us about and shared with us. So basically, during some of our weekly meetings, um, like throughout the semester, maybe two or three times throughout the semester, we'll tell all of our members via email like hey next monday when you come make sure to bring your own plates and bring your own food made from dumpster food and sometimes people bring like garlic that they've grown in their garden or squash or something um but most of the time the food that we get it's a potluck of food that's mostly free yeah um it all began with um it all began like 2013 when the when the club st- uh, first started um they got some pizzas from Polito's, um, a local pizzeria, after it closed, and they had probably like five pizzas. It just kind of started out as this, oh, we got a bunch of pizza from a dumpster, and then from from then on, you know, it kind of um, evolved into this event that we would have, you know, like, we just found a bunch of food in the dumpster, and we can't possibly eat it all, so we're going to bring it to this and share it with all of you. While we also talk about a bunch of environmental issues and how we can work to bring awareness to them and fix them. And so it just, now it's a tradition. And, you know, I talked to some of the older officers and they are still so, like, excited that it's still happening and it's definitely going to continue to happen. Sounds pretty sweet. 
So, Henry, do you think that into the future here there's going to be more rules and regulations trying to fight these people going dumpster diving? Or do you think that maybe things will become more lenient or things will go to homeless shelters? Or um, where, do you think, where do you think the future of hopping into dumpsters and getting a fuck ton of free beers is going to go? Yeah, uh, I don't really know how um, in peril, you know, being a dirty hippie is going to be in the future. <laughs> Um, but I think a lot of it is just going to be kind of the attitude people take about it in the future. Um, and also the businesses too, because if businesses don't want people climbing in their dumpsters, like we were, all they have to do is lock it up. Um, and because they certainly don't benefit from what we're doing. Um, but I, I think just kind of improving people's thoughts about dumpster diving and, you know, improving that stigma that, you know, you aren't eating garbage is uh is is good for for making sure in the future people can still do what we did it happens one green bean and one girlfriend at a time that's right if you got a girlfriend send her to my house and i will cook her some green beans (laughs) (laughs) um i definitely think that even though it kind of starts with the people uh bringing awareness to it and then bringing awareness to politicians and, and just policy leaders in general i think that's where it starts um so we already kind of see some things happening in Stevens Point, like specifically at the local co-op. Um, they've already started challenging expiration dates, and they have like discounted vegetables that are maybe past the like you know perfect stage, and they might be a little bit moldy and they might be a little bit wrinkly, and you can actually still go in there and buy them for like a discounted price. And the dumpster diving community is, I mean, it's also a community, and it's really a bonding experience to jump in a dumpster with people. It's really um, a fun experience. It's great to take new people. I'm really glad that we got to bring Henry with us for the first for his first time popping his trash bag. <laughs> that was very cool. Yeah, I think uh, also you know maybe developing new ways to use food that otherwise would go to waste. Um, you know, baby carrots come from carrots that aren't shaped correctly. Um, and farmers traditionally would just have to toss them out because at the supermarket people would just pick the perfect ones. And they realized, hey, we can shave these down and still sell them, still make a usable product out of them. And while I may choose a imperfect carrot over a small, like, little shaved one, um, I still, I think it's cool that those aren't all going to waste and that we found a use for things like that. Totally. And then lastly, like, when food finally has to go to waste, because it's just, like, at a point where, obviously, you don't want to eat it, um, finding ways to actually bring it to um, a composting sort of location um, and just begin using that form of um, kind of recycling that organic material instead of just letting it um, sit in a landfill. And there's just lots of implications that go along with that. Um, so I kind of have a question with compost, and I've personally thought about this, and I'm pretty sure there was a hot afternoon that um, the, we were by a marsh and it smelled really bad and we were like whining about it, and like this ended up coming up. So I don't think in today's society it's necessarily realistic to expect everybody to be okay with having a compost bin inside their house. Just like the way people are, you're not going to get everybody to change their mind and be okay with something that, you know, it does have a smell. You can seal it up, but still when you open it up, it has a smell to it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any thoughts on ways you could curb maybe the smell of compost? In, I mean, in people's houses, because I think people would be a lot more receptive of that thing if it was less, because 
people are unwilling to get uncomfortable with it. I think that a lot of more people would have compost in their house um, if it didn't have necessarily that part to it. I don't know. I don't yeah, know that is that, uh, that is a huge now. component because I do know a lot of people who are just like, I don't have any space for that or I don't even know what I would do with the compost once I, you know, have it, you know, turn into soil or whatever. Sure. But um, there is lots of technology. There's lots of different sorts of containers you can get and you can find them online. Um, and it's a super simple sort of process. I mean, you can even just grab like a sealable garbage can and just fill it in there. Um, and there's ways that you can keep it over the winter, so it's not like sitting and fermenting or anything. Um, but it's all over the internet, all sorts of um, tools like that. But even if we weren't going to necessarily do it that way, um, I know there's been um, local initiatives to bring personal compost kind of to one location and just have like this collective compost. Uh, Rising Sands Organic um, is a new kind of cooperative farm. Um, outside of Stevens Point, and they have already set up a compost pickup um, program. Basically, you pay, I think, what? I think it's five dollars. Five dollars a month or something like that, and they'll come and pick up your compost, and they'll bring it back to their farm, and they use it for agriculture. So it's mm -hmm. really and, they'll and that's a your perfect bucket cycle. With a clean bucket. So you basically fill up a five-gallon bucket, or whenever the the time of the week that they pick it up, you set it outside like a garbage can, and they'll come and pick it up from your house and replace it with a fresh one, so you don't even have to clean it. If you don't have a compost service like we're fortunate to have here in Point, um, find a local community garden that does take your compost, and then I guess maybe just carving out a little bit of time to walk it or drive it over to that compost um, location, and then usually someone there will have some idea of what to do with it, and maybe they'll dump it for you if they're nice enough. That's a uh, really cool. I didn't know about the like the bucket thing that f it's like five bucks a month or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty new. It's pretty new. That that'd be great. That's something I could. When I a lot of times when I talk about like people changing their ways, I think about my parents. They're pretty set in their ways, and I know that some things they wouldn't change. And that maybe if that service was available in my hometown, then maybe they would consider something like that. So like I'm pretty lazy, and I used to bring my compost to the school garden, but I found that like. My roommates would never bring it and always fell on me because I'm kind of lazy and I like to bike around and I couldn't really lug it there when I was biking um, that it didn't work so well. Um, so I just kind of started a pile behind my shed at my house and I just, you know, I keep a bucket. I keep it open air because then the bad smells don't build up. I empty it on a regular basis before it gets too gross. And then I just turn that pile once in a while to get some air in there so that it actually decomposes. Um, but it's really not that difficult of a process. Mm -hmm. I can talk about my setup, too. Um, yeah, so I live at a house right now, and in our backyard we set up kind of like some plywood and kind of built an open pit compost. And, yeah, you just you want to make sure you balance it with organic materials and then also like a carbon sort of source, so like leaves or any sort of like other like lawn clippings, stuff like that. Um, even, you know, like paper, I guess you could use, but you want to avoid um, plastics, you want to avoid meats and, and uh, stuff like that. Um, but you can look up like what should go in a compost, basically. And um, you may want to make sure you turn it um, to make sure that the everything kind of decomposes the way it should. And in the winter, actually, right now, um, you know, there's snow over our pile, but it's going to preserve itself. And then when it starts to heat up again, it'll just do its natural process. I mean, we're just creating soil, so. 
Yeah, on top of that, I gotta say, the animals in my neighborhood, they love that I got a compost pile back there. Every time I walk to grab my bike out of that shed, there's just a fat rabbit sitting right on top of that pile. And he's like, I ain't moving, dude. <laughs> he's just hanging out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's nice to think about your neighbors, not not only the human ones. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the little squirrels and rabbits are going to really enjoy that you're giving them some uh, some food. But shout out to my landlord who doesn't yet know about this compost pile. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to thank both of you for joining us on this one. Uh, Thanks for helping me lose my dumpster virginity. Thank you so much for coming with us. Yeah. All right. Thank you.